0: We bless you, we magnify you, we glorify you, oh Lord, hallelujah. Glory, and give him the glory, and let's give him the praise. let feel that now. Give him praise. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. We magnify you. Give him the glory. Oh, let's give him praise. Yes, give him the glory. Oh, let's give him praise. Starting me on my way. Give him the glory. Sing it again. Let's give him glory, church. He is worthy. Well, now let's give him the glory. Oh, let's give him praise. Oh, give him the glory. Let's come on. It's not like you, oh God. Hallelujah. Give him honor. Give him praise. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. A new song today. Sing this. In just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe. There's nothing that our God can't do there's not a mountain that he can't move oh praise the name that makes a way there's nothing that our god can't do thank you lord And just one word you hear what's broken while he can't break through Oh, oh praise the, the name the that makes the way There's nothing better God can do Oh We just gotta believe, church. We gotta believe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I will believe for greater things There's no power like the power of Jesus for greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus, let faith arise, let all agree, there's no power like His power, there's nothing that our God can't do, there's not a mountain that He can move, oh praise the name. stories for what they were. Something happens when we grow older. Just kind of start forgetting that God really can do anything. He really, no, He really can do anything in our lives right now. We just have to believe it. We have to live like we believe it. Really, think about it. He really can do anything, period, anything. Save our lost loved ones, heal our bodies, supply everything, he already does all of that. Oh God, we thank you now. Help us to believe, oh God, what you say in your word and your promises, they are true. They're not just old stories. They're not just made up tales from our past, oh God. But they are true stories oh god help us oh god just to believe lord hallelujah we lift you and magnify you we glorify your name for you are the god of miracles oh god hallelujah and we believe lord jesus hallelujah hallelujah i sing that bridge to the lord hallelujah i will believe i will believe for greater things there's no power left. Like for oh, greater things there's no power like the power, power of, of jesus. jesus oh let Whenever faith arise let all agree there's no power like His power there's nothing that our god can do there's not a mountain that he can't do oh praise him Hallelujah. Give Him honor. We bless Your name, O Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank You for Your blessings, O God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We lift You in this place, O God. We magnify You. Thank You for His presence, church. Honor His presence. Lift Him up. Glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of Who. you because of who you are I will lift my voice and say Lord I worship you because of who you are oh Sing it again because of who you are, there. Your yes, you are my kind of Lord. Lord. worship the lord church honor his presence hallelujah continue to worship Hallelujah.
1: amen can you give jesus a hand clap of praise today in his presence isn't he worthy i said isn't he worthy of all the praise hallelujah what a mighty god we serve today folks what a mighty god that we're serving today in this house i want to thank everybody as you know we have a children's fundraiser going that i wanted to mention And our children's fundraiser, it is the cakes, and you guys have been doing great in supporting that. And I think we have enough volunteers, so thank you to all of those that have volunteered uh, for the cakes. We're going to stop at this point because we've got so many coming in, so thank you for that. We're going to probably do about 12 of them, and uh, that should be a gracious plenty. We'll save some for the next time. So today is going to be the Hawaiian cake, and uh, remind me, um, Pastor B, at the end of the service, I'll draw for that. So the responsibility is all on your shoulders. So if somebody don't get their cake today, it's going to be your fault. I just told the whole congregation that. So we're going to do that next week's drawing. Pastor B and Miss Susan are going to be making a blueberry cheesecake. I've been told that the blueberries are in the cheesecake, whatever that means. But it says it's better. So if you have questions about that, Brian said, see Susan. Yellow tickets will be sold today, or red tickets, I believe is what she's using today, but that's fine. Anyhow, so buy as many as you want. $147 was raised for Gap City Kids last week, so that's what the Hawaiian cake brought, so can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that, amen. (laughs) Continue prayers for Miss Merck, she's here today for Melissa Riddle's mother-in-law, Valjean Riddle. For Miss Ada E, she's still suffering from sciatica, really in a lot of pain. She needs our prayers today, especially Uh, For Art, he's here with us today. We love you, Art. And we're praying for your continued healing and also for Miss Sheila Tao. Uh, Also, please pray for the Kenny Thompson family. I was given this this morning that Kenny passed away. That is Brent's dad. Uh, That's Susan Miller's daughter's husband. So, just want you to be in prayer for this family as they have lost a loved one. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to go and I want to speak on this topic. Insights from the insects. Are y'all ready? How many of you like insects? How many of you insects just freak you out? All right, good. Perfect sermon for the day. Proverbs chapter 30. Let's go to verse 24 through 28. I want to read that to you. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people that are not strong, but yet they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies, but a feeble folk, but yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them by bands. The spider taketh hold with her hands, and is in King's palaces. When I open up my Bible and I begin to read. And I begin to look at some of the greatest evangelists in all of the Bible. My mind jumps automatically to John the Baptist. Anybody remember that guy? Comes out wearing some uh, skins and eating locusts and wild honey. Dipping it in it. You remember that guy. He has a message. Prepare the way of the Lord. I'm baptizing you with water and repentance. He that comes after me is going to be mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to unlatch his, his sandals. He says, I baptized you with water. He's going to come and baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What a man of God. What a man of God. Had a powerful message. He would preach until they literally chopped his head off. That's the way John the Baptist died. Because he was man enough to stand up to Herod and say, You cannot have your brother's wife. It's wrong. It's sin. He had him killed for it. Head served on a silver platter. When I think about great men of God in the Bible, I think about Jonah, a man that went to Nineveh with a simple message, three days, and this place is going to be destroyed. He was not afraid. You talk about preachers preaching hellfire and brimstone. Jonah was a hellfire and brimstone kind of guy. He went in there and said, if you don't repent, God's going to kill every single one of y'all with fire. Think about the Apostle Paul, a man of God that writes 13 books, no doubt, of the, of the New Testament. A man of God that preaches, he's such a powerful preacher, he's got power with God, he's healing the sick. I mean, he's doing all of these things and, and then all of a sudden he preaches the gospel until finally one day he lays down his head at the chopping block and gets it chopped off too. When you start thinking about great men and women of God, you have to question if you really want to be one. Especially if it's going to end with my head on a silver platter. You know what I'm saying? These men are great men of God. Great evangelists. I could preach sermon after sermon from these type people. Their message is clear. Their message is unmistakable. You never walked out of a service with the Apostle Paul and said, what in the world was that guy trying to say today? When you left the building, you knew exactly what Paul was trying to say. You never went and listened to John the Baptist when he was baptizing and say, What in the world is this guy doing down here? His message was clear. He'd call the vipers vipers. He'd call the hypocrites hypocrites. And he'd always glorify the one that was coming after him, whose name is Jesus Christ, that will save this world from all of their sin. His message is crystal clear. Clear, unmistakable. But there are four others in the Bible that we never hear great theologians quote any of the things that they said because these things I'm talking about today cannot literally talk to us or speak to us. They never wrote any of the books that we find in our Bible. The seminaries never talk or discuss them, but there are some messages that they are speaking to us today that is so loud and it is crystal clear. They are the ants. The conies, the locusts, and the spiders. The ants are a people not strong, but they prepare their meat in the summer. The conies are a feeble folk, but yet they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts, they have no king or leader, yet they go forth all by bands or groups. The spider taketh hold with his hands, and he is in king's palaces. So I guess these guys are the smallest preachers, our smallest evangelists that have ever lived, but they have a large message, and I'm telling you this morning, it is going to speak to every one of us. They are trying to say something to us. They are trying to get us to listen, to understand. Now, somebody said, I ain't listening to an ant. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible said that God used a donkey for Balaam's stubborn self, a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that the donkey spoke to him. Always understand that if God needs to use a dog to preach the sermon because I won't do it, he can do that if he has to. And today he is going to use some insects that are going to give us some insight. The first one is the message of the ant. It is a straightforward message that they prepare their food or their meat in the summer. It is so clear because it tells us to prepare as early as possible to meet the Lord. And it also tells us never to be lazy and complacent and never put off until tomorrow what we can do today. It teaches us a lesson that if we wait too long, we may wait too late. There's something in me today that is rising up that is telling me and telling us We don't have time to play church, folks. We don't have time anymore just to go through the motions. I want us to understand our walk with God is the most serious business that we will ever fulfill on this side of heaven. It is the most important decision that we will ever make. If we were to take life and we were to put it, By seasons, there's four seasons. We would say that the springtime represents the budding of our youthfulness. We would say the summer is our maturity or or whenever we reach adulthood. We would use the autumn as that time that we are getting older in our age and we are beginning to go through a a decline years uh, after years as we decline and decrease. And then when winter comes, winter represents the inevitable judgment. It represents death in john cameron he said it this way from scotland he said then soon will come your autumn years when life is past and Christ appears too late to change the path that you've trod when you are standing face to face with god david said psalm 5 therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is going to be a separation folks. There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a goats. And there's going to be sheep. And there's going to be the wicked. And there's going to be the godly. God is going to separate us. He's going to separate the wheat from the sheaves. a matter of fact. Mark Twain said it really good. And I quote him. He said a lot of people. A lot of folks get shook up about the verses in the Bible. That they cannot understand or explain. He says but it is the ones that I do understand that trouble me. And they get me all shook up. It's the ones that I do understand. Because understand with me that there are some verses in the Bible that are direct. And it speaks of the winter. And it speaks of the time of death. And it speaks of the time of our passing. Look with me at this verse. Look at 2 Kings 21. This is is just point blank scripture. He says, in those days Hezekiah was sick and he is near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, he comes in with this message and says to him, "Thus says the Lord: Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live." Now, how many of you would like the, a visit from the pastor? And, and that's the message I got to tell you. I mean, you open up door to my hey, preacher, would you like a cup of coffee? I'm like, Wait a minute! Set your house in order. You'll die and not live. Yeah, what kind of coffee you got? I mean, who does that? The man of God goes, that's exactly the message he has. He doesn't have time to even offer him a cup of water or any food or anything. He just says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. You better get your house in order. This is the way God is. And if your heart is not prepared today, a message like that would shake you up. It is the verses that I understand that shake me up and trouble me. Not the ones that I don't. In Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it is appointed for us once to die. And after death is the what? Is... The judgment. So God has given us a clear message. The ants are speaking to us today and saying, if you've ever prepared, now is the season of preparation. Now is the time to make sure your heart is right and everything is good to go when you stand before your Maker. He tells us the richest, you know, the richest man who ever lived, and I guess Bezos is probably, I don't know, they keep swapping places. They taught me the other day. That was a joke. But anyhow, they just $200 billion maybe, something like that. Did you know the richest man in the world with all of his money could look at the grim reaper death and say, I'm going to give you all of this if you'll just leave my house. And he's not going anywhere. All of his money in the world cannot buy him one more day. The professional beggar that sits there and holds up a sign is able to work, but they're good at begging. I've I've seen some shows, y'all may have watched them too, where people do these signs and dress poor, and then they walk a couple blocks over and get in a Maserati or a Porsche. Has anybody ever watched that? They're professional beggars. They they know how, they're a con artist is what they are. Some of you just got an idea about a new job, didn't you? Hallelujah. If I can get a Maserati, I'm quitting my day job. Listen, what I'm telling you today... That there's people I like, and so they, they know how to beg, they know how to get, but I'm telling you, the best beggar in the world could beg as the grim reaper comes and they could not even obtain one extra hour on this side of glory. This grim reaper has been pursuing us from the cradle even to the grave. I was thinking the other day, we were in a council meeting and I had some stuff going on. I, I thought about Wallace and my god, I, I wish Wallace was here. There's time still. That that I say, he helped me so much in this church. that There's times I just say to myself, I'm going to call Wallace. And then I realize, Wallace is gone. There's so many of you, even in this building today, that you've suffered loss. We've suffered loss. Even as a body of Christ. And I think about all these people. I go in my room every single day. I sit down at my desk. And right in my right um, peripheral vision, there's this little guitar. The guy named Bud Durham sat there and made by hand. For me. Giving it to me on a pastor's appreciation day. And he was unable to do it because he was unable to finish it. Because he didn't realize it was going to be so tough. But he was putting strings and pegs. for I mean everything. Every little detail right there. And I think about all the loss. When I'm telling you. I preached my niece's. Funeral service, little a month year, a month-old baby, hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I'm telling you, from the cradle to the grave. It does not matter today whether you are a baby, it does not matter today if you are an elder that's 90 years old. Death is coming after us. And at the end of it, somebody said, My God, preacher, you are so pessimistic. I am not trying to be pessimistic today. I am trying to be realistic and preach a clear message from the aunt that is saying death is coming, make sure you're ready when it gets here. That's all that the ant is trying to tell us today. That's it. The question is not, is death coming? Is winter season coming? The question is, will I be ready? Will you be ready when it finally gets here? So I should live every day like Jesus is coming for me. I should live every day as if, if the grim reaper knocks on my door tomorrow, that I am ready to meet the Lord. I should live every day, as the apostle Paul said. I'm going to lift up my eyes. I'm going to look because sooner or later, I'm going to lift up my head for my redemption. Is drawing nine. There's coming a day. When I'm going to look up. And he's going to part that cloud. And he's going to come on a white horse. And all of my troubles and cares are going to be over. I should live every day. Is what the message from the ant says. Live every day. As if Jesus Christ is about to split that sky. And you're ready to go. So as surely as you're born. You're going to die. Is the message of the ant. It is too important for us to miss. Lay in store provisions for a time that you know is coming. Prepare meat in the summer for winter is coming. Now, I'm not being pessimistic. I'm being realistic. But in doing so, I also want to tell you that however, a child of God should never be afraid of death. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, my favorite scripture that I quote at almost every Christian's graveside service is, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Woo. I love it. I love it. Because to the child of God, they're ready. They're prepared. They've heeded the message of the ant. They know that their bags are packed and they're ready to go. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, yes, we are confident. We are well pleased that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Have you made your preparation today, ladies and gentlemen? Is everything right between you and your neighbor and God? Don't y'all like the way I threw that neighbor part in there? That's right, because God said, if I can't love you as if you're my brother or sister, then God says, I can't love you in return. You must first love one another. Is everything right? So, first point, that's the message of the ant. Secondly, we have the message of the conies. They build their houses in the rocks. The cony is like a crossbreed between what we would call a field mouse. And a rabbit. Some have referred to them as being a rock badger. It is a vulnerable creature. It can't defend itself. It is very timid. It is very shy. You don't just walk up to them and pet them. As soon as you come, they're going to run and they're going to hide. They're virtually, they're they're defenseless against any predator. Any carnivorous predator that comes to get this poor little coney. The coney is defenseless. It cannot for itself but there is a god-giving instinct oh hallelujah that is inside of this little coney this little rock badger it's a god-given instinct that predetermines its location where it is it will scan all around it it will find all the rocks It will climb to the highest ledge where it is safe. It will find a cleft in the rock. It will then line it with fur and other soft material. And it makes its home and its bed in the cleft of the rock where enemies cannot get to it. My God Almighty. The old English Irish hymn said it this way. Oh, safe to the rock that is higher than I. My soul in its sorrow and conflict would lie. So weak, so weary, thine would I be. Thou blessed rock of ages, I am hiding in thee. Oh, glory to God. We live in an age, I'm telling somebody today, it is frightening, it is scary. The Bible said that men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. However, there is this feather lined fortress, if I can say it that way. In God's word, there's this feather in in the fortress found in God's promises, if I can say it that way, that the Christian can absolutely hide in today, that we can find protection in today. When I was at school, I had to learn Psalm chapter 91. Pop it up there, verse 1 through 2. I want to show you this. This, this, this one of the most powerful chapters, man. He who dwells in the secret place Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God. In Him, in Him shall I trust. I wish somebody would help me today. See, what can we hide in, folks, other than Jesus? When our hearts are filling us for fear, when everything's going chaotic, what are we going to hide in? Are you going to hide in the stock market? It can crash. I mean, what are you going to hide in? Are, Are you going to hide in religion? I mean, there's some pastors that aren't no more saved than my dog at home. Oh, God, help Pastor Jimmy today. I'm on a roll. I'm not no more saved than my dog at home. But what they've done is they've hid under the rock of religion. There are some that have hit under the rock of material possessions. It's all about what I've got. We've got preachers out there that have literally told us. That if you're broke you ain't saved. Sounds like a little comment that Joe made a while back. But I'm not even going to go there. If you don't have money, if you don't have blessings, if you don't have houses and lands and this and that and the other, then you're not pleasing God. There is nothing that could be any further from the truth than that statement. I have met some poor people that had the power of the Holy Spirit in their life that knew how to pray and touch heaven. Money cannot buy that folks. Because money can't get me healing when I'm sick. Money can't get me through my troubles when they're battering me like waves. I'm telling you, I need somebody that knows how to pray and touch heaven. If you hide under the cleft of the rock of material possessions, your possessions can get taken from you. As our dollar loses value, you know what's happening? Other things will lose value too. If it gets too high, inflation takes over. And you get paid $13 an hour, but the price of milk goes from $3.99 to $699. Your pay doesn't change. That's, that's, that's called inflation. You don't want that to continue to gain that. What I'm telling you is material possessions right now at best. It's finicky right now. It's finicky. I'm telling you, folks, it's finicky. Can you hide under fame? I mean, there's some that have become celebrity pastors, celebrity leaders, and celebrity people. And and they think that it's not going to get them there. David found that the only foundation, the only eternal truth, the only promise of God from his word that could sustain him. He could not hide in his family. For his own son Absalom would betray him and try to take his throne. He couldn't hide in a night of pleasure. Because once he laid with Bathsheba, he had no idea idea it would bring him a lifetime of sorrow and even the baby was going to die he finally got an eternal perspective that only God can give us and he said in Psalm 61 verse 2 from the end of the earth will I cry to you and when my heart when it gets overwhelmed and I don't know what else to do would you do me like the little coney? and would you lead me to a rock that is higher than I am he realized he could not hide in anything but in Jesus Christ the The blessed rock of ages. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. That's why God told Moses. He said you get in the cleft of the rock Moses. You got to build everything on the rock. Your marriage must be built on the rock. Everything you possess has got to be on the rock. Your job has got to be built on the rock. If you build on anything else it is sinking sand. The Coney teaches us. We better go to a higher place. We got to hide. In the rock, Jesus Christ. That's the only way we'll ever escape the enemy's claws. Thirdly, I have the message of the locusts. One thing that they do according to our scripture. Is that the locusts simply work together. There's not a solo flight with the locusts. There is something in them. a the God giving instinct. That causes them to fly in groups. To fly in droves. That's why in Africa right now. I read the news the other day that a swarm of locusts had come in. So, I mean, you can't even hardly see. I mean, all you can see is, is locusts. I mean, they just cover everything. They fly together. They'll fly on the little crops that they have. And just like that, they'll devour every one of them. The plague of locusts. That's why whenever God got ready to put a plague on him, what did he do? He sent a plague of locusts. The Bible said the wind blew, and guess what? The locusts swarmed in. And started eating all of the field. They fly together in a swarm, in a group. There's no locust that gets so comfortable and complete with himself that he refuses the fellowship of others. His overriding message is let us work together. His overriding message is let us fly together. Together. I would to God that we had church people that would heed the message of the locust And say instead of fighting against one another to get something done. Let's fly together. Let's work together. If we're going to rise to a higher place. Then let us rise together. Oh my God have mercy. Happy is the child of God who understands this fact. That they can't make it. Without their brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us as a church to understand. That the anatomy that God has given the church is known as the body. It is the body of Christ Christ is the head And then we make up the other parts and members of the body If you take a preacher and put him in a church And let him preach the empty pews He's not doing very much is he But when you put other members in the body Then all of a sudden things begin to change The cog on the wheel begins to spin What I'm telling you is we must understand today We've got to have one another If we are going to make it And I'm telling you if you're a long range And don't want to be with people Then you don't want to go to heaven Because in heaven We are all going to be together Happily ever after We are going to love one another We are going to be glad to see each other It ain't going to be like Walmart When you see them on aisle 3 And you go to aisle 5 Forget about the, did you get the butter beans? No, sir. So-and-so was on the aisle. Sorry, honey, we'll go to Dollar General. What I'm telling you, and pay five dollars more. Listen, what I'm telling you, there's got to be something in us that says if the body of Christ is going to grow, if the body of Christ is going to prosper, if the body of Christ is going to be blessed, it is not because we got a good preacher in the pulpit. It is not because we have good leaders. It is because a, a group of people came together and said let's rise above it all. Let's Go to a place we've never been before. We're going to do it together. That's what the locust is trying to tell us today. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. So what God is saying is when we get together and all have one mind, all things in common. He says there's some good things going to happen around that place. It's inevitable. It's impossible to get a group of people together. That are like-minded, kingdom-minded, and that not reflect in the growth of a church. It's impossible. It will happen. I used to love Thomas Gillum. He was my overseer for some time. Matter of fact, Thomas Gillum is the guy that allowed us to me and Pastor Tony to be able to make a swap from Newry to here. And so I loved him dearly. And uh, he's a praying guy. But one thing that he used to say all the time is he said, We can get more done together than we can separately. We we can get more done together than we can apart from one another. He was Now I realize that all he was doing was preaching the message of the locust. Let's just work together. Let's just do it together. Together we can. See, Paul addressed to us the importance of working together on numerous occasions. No doubt he is impacted by a few people who literally risked their necks to help him. A matter of fact, the Bible said that one time he was about to die and they lowered him down a wall in a basket. Nameless disciples. We don't know who they are God never gives us their name But they helped him They blew no trumpet and said look I did this They waved no banners for themselves They did not demand that the people give them a hand clap and an applause But they were God's obscure indispensables Uh, To the world we may seem dispensable But God says these nameless disciples were indispensable But yet they were obscure Meaning that they were not seen They were not known But from that escape Because those nameless disciples would work together And help the apostle Paul From that very day If you follow his life It is after he is let down in a basket That he would go on to write 13 epistles He would plant I can't even tell you how many churches He would conquer Incontinence literally from a a prison cell With just a little quill and some ink in his hand He went on to do some of the greatest works of God Because someone decided to heed the message of the locust And work together What would have happened if they would not have done that? This old poem illustrates the importance of unity For it says two tough old mules Say get this dope We're tied together With this little piece of rope. Said one to the other. You come my way. While I take a nibble of that new mown hay. I won't said the other. You come with me. I have some hay over this way you see. So they got nowhere. Just pawed up the dirt. Pulling each way. How that rope did hurt. Then faced they about those stubborn old mules. And said we are acting like human fools. Let's pull together. For I'll go your way and then you come my way and we'll both eat hay. So they ate their hay and they liked it too and said let us be comrades good and true. And as the sun went down they were heard to pray. Oh, this is the end of a perfect day. Wouldn't it be nice if we could be like the stubborn old mules and finally decide we are going to work? Together. Wouldn't it be great if every church in the United States of America would quit saying it's my church against your church. It's my preacher against your preacher. It's our denomination and organization against your denomination. What in the world have we come to? We are all blood born again saints of God. And God's only got one church, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm glad I'm a part of that church. How about you? Man, I, I, oh, God help, Pastor, I feel like I could jump and swing from a fan, or I guess I'll just grab that, Brian. whoo! <laughs> uh, I mean, why can't we, and I say in human race, why can't we just love one another? Why do we have such a hard time worshiping God together? God said there's going to come a day that I don't care if you're a Jew, if you're a Gentile, if you're white, if you're black, if you're Hispanic. There's going to come a day when I don't care who you are. Because all I'm looking for is a group of people that will come together like the locusts and worship me in spirit. Any tr- I don't care if you worship on this mountain or on that mountain or in the valley or in that church or this church. All I want is some people that will lift up my name and give me the glory and honor that I deserve. That's all I'm looking for. I'll leave you with this and I'll close. And lastly, we have the message of the spider. Now, before, before, he takes hold and he keeps holding on, no matter what takes hold, and it keeps holding on. Now I'm going to give you two analysis here really quick. I want you to go home, find a spider web, make sure it's not a black widow, all right before you play around with it. but my pastor killed me. I told him about taking up snakes. he got me to take up spiders. Listen, I'm telling you, go to that net, that web, and you try to remove that spider from that web. I don't care how hard you pull. That spider's body is going to go with you. I walked into a spider web the other day. I haven't shouted that way since I was 12 years old at Eastside Holiness church. And everywhere I went. You like that? No, you, And everywhere I went, I was sitting there and I'm looking behind me. And the web is following me. And Lord behold, Beth, the spider was still just dangling, holding on. He didn't care what was going on. So I like the spider because the spider shows us. That's how I feel about about Christ. See, see, there's something about this spider that is so interesting. It's as if the web is part of him. He can't separate himself from it. He shoots the web out of himself. Are you following me? So the web has become part of him. You can't separate the two. That's the way I feel about Christ. And that's why I can make it Quentin when everything's going haywire. Because Christ is a part of me. And so so when I feel like letting go, I can't let go because of what's inside of me. I'm not even going to go there. So theologians have studied this. And they don't believe it to be a spider at all as, as one that throws web. They believe that this creature that is suggested in this text is referring to that of a gecko. Has anybody ever heard of a gecko? And in this passage, he's referred to as a spider. The gecko is the Geico commercial. You know the cute little Australian gecko that makes you want to change your insurance to Geico? Just because you like the way the little fellow looks. Yeah, that guy. That's a gecko. I used to have a gecko. I never got another gecko. <laughs> My daughter asked me the other day we were walking in a store. She said, like, oh dad, we used to have one. There. Can we get one of those? No, we cannot get one of those. Well, you're breaking my heart. I don't care if I'm breaking your heart. You ain't getting the fancy leopard gecko. They eat sand and everything else get compacted. And then you call the vet and they say it's going to cost $600 to fix a $15 lizard. It ain't happening anymore. But there's something special about this little lizard, this gecko. For on the end of its hands, it has little suction cups at the end of them. And from these suction cups, God-giving ability and instinct, there is an adhesive moisture that can come out of these cups. And it enables the gecko to walk on smooth surfaces, my God have mercy, like glass or like marble or highly polished surfaces, kind of like what you'd find in kings' palaces. And it has this ability. They can literally walk sideways up a wall. They could walk upside down on the ceiling. They are not dependent on the surface they are walking on. Rather, they are dependent upon something that is produced from deep, Within them. What a great illustration of our faith today. And our walk in faith. We are not sustained by what we walk upon. We are sustained by something that is coming out from the inside of us. The Bible said that we have this inner confidence because Jesus Christ is now in us. We have an inward trust that Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, who helps us keep a grip and walk a little further. It doesn't matter regardless of surface. It doesn't matter how rough it gets. It doesn't matter how harsh the area around us gets or the circumstance around us gets. There's a God in heaven that has given us something on the inside. That gene we're making. The other day I I was talking to somebody and there was this old guy. And I mean he's like, I guess in his 80s. And he was like still working cutting his grass. I got a guy that lives across from me. He's getting older because I can tell he's getting a little slower. But that guy can make one of the best gardens that you've ever seen. And I saw him the other day. I thought, my lord, isn't that amazing? He's out there plowing and working. It don't matter. I've seen him out here in the heat today. He'll sit down, and just take himself a little break, get back up and work. Most of the time, he's got one other guy. must be a son, son-in-law or something that helps him. But this guy, most of the time, he's out there all by himself. hoe in hand, tractor's just working. He's already plied his field. He's getting ready to plant something. And I'm praying to God he brings some of it over to me. My neighbor. But I look over there sometime and I see him working, Brian. I, and we say this. We've said it before. That guy's made out of something we ain't made out of. Have you ever said that the older generation and then they look at us younger generation, they're like, you know, old man, what's up with you? You you tired already? And the old man's still over there working. He may not be working too fast, but he's slow and steady, and slow and steady wins the race. He's built out of something tougher. It seems like than what we're building them out of these days. Well I want to tell you there is something that makes a child of God that is really walking in faith in Jesus Christ stand out from everybody else and everything else in the world. And that is what is inside of them. They are built with something that is different. There's a group of people that say they're saved but if a wind blows and it's a little too hard they're going to walk out the church door. They're never going to come back. But there's some folks that have been here for 50 years and they've been through thick and thin. They've seen some of the worst times the church has ever known. But they held on anyhow and you're still here today they're built out of something different what is it? it's the power of the Holy Ghost that is living on the inside that says when everybody else is letting go I'm going to be like the spider I'm just going to hold on Woo! God I feel like I'm preaching a camp meeting today and y'all looking at me like I'm crazy go to the piano honey I'm quitting I just called you honey my wife's sitting right here though it's all good Thank you, Susan. When I begin to read these scriptures, there's an adhesive faith that literally, and there's many scriptures that when I begin to read them, there's an adhesive faith that rises up and begins to uh, produce inside of me. When I read my Bible, and I don't feel like going on, I read that scripture, and God says, I am the Lord thy God, that healeth thee. It gives me something to hold on to. When I feel like quitting and giving up, and God says basically to be absent for this body, Jimmy should be present with the Lord. i hold on a little longer. When I think about this world and I get a little too caught up in possessions. And the things that this world can offer me. All of a sudden I get my Bible and it says, set not your affection on things below. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. Jimmy, start setting your affection on things above. Because in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And if I've gone, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you to my. Where I am, there you may be also. And a decent rises up in me, in my faith. And I grab whatever the surface is and I hold on. And sometimes, I must admit, I'm barely holding on. But thank God. I'm still holding on. So today, what are you trusting in? What are you standing on? Take it from these tremendous evangelists today that are small in size, but they have a powerful message, and they've taught us to put our trust, complete trust in Christ.